0: Good morning everyone, this is Kevin Eva again, the editor of Medical Education, talking to you from a gloriously sunny Vancouver Friday morning. I'm joined today by Courtney West and Mark Sadowski, co-authors on a paper that's to be published in the July issue of the journal called, Do Study Strategies Predict Academic Performance in Medical School? Courtney is Education Specialist in the Student Affairs Office and the Office of Educational Development at Texas A&M Health Science Center College of Medicine, and Mark is the Director of the Office of Educational Development at the same institution. Thank you both for taking the time to chat with me this morning. The paper is an intriguing one in that I can't recall having come across A study before where people tried to put the issues of study strategies and aptitude head-to-head in in the way that you've done to determine what predicts academic performance. Uh, I've seen many studies of study strategies and their relationship with various outcomes, but you raised the question of whether or not one is more predictive than another. I wonder if you could give us some background as to what motivated you to do the study and why you thought this was a priority at the moment.
1: Well, we've noticed that some students really struggle with the transition from college to medical school. And, you know, the transition itself is somewhat difficult with respect to ones that were at the top of their class and then if they have difficulty in medical school. And so we wanted to find an instrument and a way to look at the different dimensions of study strategies in the different areas and see if we could pinpoint ones that would help us facilitate the adjustment of any type of study skills that they might need to achieve their academic goals.
0: This study has very clear implications both in, well at in any number of levels of the educational system in terms of admissions or support for students who are struggling or even thinking about the likelihood of people succeeding later on into practice. You came at it by looking at MCAT undergraduate grade point average and some other issues with respect to the academic aptitude leading in. Can you tell us a bit more about how you chose to study the study strategies in a meaningful and, and valid way?
2: Uh, both of us come from education background and we were familiar with a fairly well established instrument called the Learning and Study Strategies Inventory, or LASI for an acronym, that had a pretty good record of identifying study strategies and skills and giving students a profile of those study strategies and skills. It has had only been used in a few studies as predictors of achievement or student grades and never in medical education. It was kind of a natural to use that instrument as well as MCAT and undergraduate grade point average as predictors of their first year achievement.
0: Can you give us a bit more detail with respect to what sorts of questions are asked on the LASSI, and is this an instrument that tries to get a depth of learning, or is it more about the types of activities that one's engaging?
2: Well, the LASSI has identified through review of the literature and so on, 10 different study skills or study strategies, and they are specifically anxiety, attitude, concentration, information processing, motivation, self-testing, selecting main idea, using study aids, time management, and test-taking strategies, and in taking the seat, which is a, a fairly brief instrument.
0: Okay. 80 uh, items.
2: Yes, yeah, 80 um, items. 80, okay. You get separate scores for each of those subscales, and therefore the different study strategies can be used as predictors along with the other ones that you identified and that we use the MCAT and the undergraduate grade point average in predicting achievement.
0: Hmm. And with so many subscores, you obviously needed a decent size sample, and by the looks of the paper, I. I think you had 106 students who sat this inventory and also granted you permission to look at their incoming scores, as well as their academic performance, obviously. What level were the students and what sort of motivation did you provide them to be part of the study that would enable you to ensure that it was a sample that was representative of your larger class?
1: Well, during orientation, we presented the study itself and pretty much gave an overview of the LASI instrument and what type of information it would provide and then we asked our students if they would consider participating. During the orientation portion, we only spent probably 15 minutes describing the study and attained a consent. And then we followed up after orientation during that week and asked them to access the inventory and take it at their own convenience. And so we did have a good representation with 106 out of our 157 students that decided to participate.
2: Another advantage of the students taking it is that the LANCY is taken online and it gives you an immediate feedback on your subscores and the different study strategies so that you get your own profile right back when you completed the test, and it's generally informative to students uh, about where they might be stronger or weaker uh, relative to the norms.
0: I had actually forgotten that it was a web-based data collection protocol you had used that makes it particularly surprising that you were able to recruit two-thirds of your class and that really speaks to the value of designing a study where they feel like they're getting something out of it. Right. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about what you think the key take-home message is to be now that you've run these individuals through the various statistical machinations that were relevant? What would you say is the the, uh, most important finding from your study?
1: Well, we discovered that time management and self-testing appear to be a little bit more predictive, or as predicted as MCAT, with time management specifically being probably the most predictive of academic performance in our integrated first semester curriculum. With that, the self-testing portion, since we broke it down into the different types of tests, self-testing, particularly with our lab exams, was also fairly predictive of academic performance on those types of exams, and so what's really helpful about that is that we looked at it in terms of productive versus receptive knowledge with respect to self-testing, because that's kind of a comprehension monitoring component, and so with productive knowledge, you you have to produce the answer, and sometimes your productive knowledge, or in most cases, your productive knowledge isn't as broad as your receptive knowledge. So perhaps that's why on the self-testing component, it, it's more predictive with respect to our lab practicals where they're having to produce the answer.
0: That piece is quite consistent with the growing literature on test-enhanced learning and desirable difficulties. Just to make sure that I've understood and or readers are aware, the sort of activity that's relevant to that section of DELASI is Individuals who are spontaneously testing themselves on the material they're learning as opposed to the test taking strategies Which is how they're approaching exams that are given to them. Is that a sufficient description?
2: We were able to do a series of four regressions one was for their overall score for All components of their grade for their first semester But then we were able to break that down to uh, written exams, which are basically multiple receptive choice. knowledge, multiple choice questions, and their lab exams where they have to actually produce answers to the questions. And it turns out there was a little bit of difference in the study strategies that were successful predictors of either of those two kinds of tests. So for the written exam, the multiple choice questions, time management was really the only statistically significant predictor with MCAT being marginal. For the lab practical exams, where students actually had to compose their own answers, turns out that self-testing and MCAT were both predictive and time management was marginal. And we interpreted that, as Courtney said, that time management and studying may get you by on multiple-choice tests, but when you actually have to produce answers as students were required to do on their lab exams, then self-testing is perhaps a more advantageous study skill. Now, self-testing involves when you're studying, making up your own questions and answering them, the kind of questions that you feel you might be asked on an exam.
0: Right, which in fact I think the Broader literature on test-enhanced learning suggests that you can get the benefits of testing even if the, the test is presented to someone, but this is a very important finding for people to know about in terms of the students being empowered to take advantage of some of those findings for themselves by developing and generating and testing the extent to which they've actually learned the material.
2: Yeah, an interesting uh, finding that we had for the written exams was that As I said, time management and MCAT were the only significant predictors of the 12, and that time management was more than twice as powerful in predicting the student test score as the MCAT was. Mm. And it's it's been kind of legendary that time management is a problem for first-year medical Mm. students because they have so much to learn. And if you don't have an organized study schedule, if you're not on top of things, you can get behind real quick. This tends to confirm that.
0: Right. And particularly challenging in curricula where the medium of curriculum dispersal has been set up in a way that relies on the students themselves to be self-directed and guide their own education to a greater extent. I think the last thing I'll ask you, if I may ask one more question, is given that this was the first study that I know of that tried to put these activities head to head, the study strategies and the more aptitude-based measures. What's your feeling on what you'd like people to take away from this at this point in terms of implications or additional work that you'd like to see done before you might offer strong implications? Right.
1: We would definitely like to replicate the study, but also extend it in several ways. One study that we want to partake in is, do study strategies predict performance on the step exams, specifically Step 1? Other things we want to know, do the strategies tend to change from the first to second year? So will this information help students beyond the transitional period that is considered the first year? We would also like to establish norms for medical students. Since that was one of the limitations of our study, in that norms have been established with college students but not necessarily medical students. So we want to be able to do that so that we can validate the use of this particular instrument with medical students.
0: Great. Well, I sincerely wish you luck with those activities and look forward to hearing how things have evolved. For the sake of our listeners, I'll just remind them that the paper we've been talking about is entitled do study strategies predict academic performance in medical school? And I've been speaking with Courtney West and Mark Sidowski from Texas A&M Health Science Center College of Medicine. And lastly, that the paper is due to be published in the July issue of Medical Education. So you should be able to read more very shortly. Thank you both, Courtney and Mark, for your time. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. All
1: right,
2: Thank you. Thank you, Kevin.